This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, well, we're going to jump into the Word, and we'll see how far we get. Why don't you go with me to the book of Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Just remember this Sunday morning is our Celebrate Christmas, both services. It'll be outstanding, so I welcome you that. All right, here we are in Mark 12, and for the last, I don't know, man, it's been forever, it seems like to me. We've been on a thing called the trajectory of faith, and our our biblical example was a guy named uh, Joseph. And Joseph went through test after test after test. He had he had some issues with pride. And then he had some issues with purity. And just over and over again, there was test after test. Patience, perseverance. And so a lot of times when we start living by faith, if if things don't happen overnight, many times we want to quit. And when you look at the story of Joseph, it was roughly 13 years till he began to walk in it. Until some of the promise that was totally fulfilled was 20 years. But he just kept doing what he knew to do and he kept living by the word. And so tonight I want to talk a little bit about an area called power in our lives. And you got to ask yourself this question. Why do I want power? And what would I do with it if I had power? And so a great biblical example of that is there in Acts 10.38, it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And so power right there came from God. And it showed me that while Jesus was on the earth, the Lord said, I'm going to bless you with power. God still does that. But why would we want power again? Would it be for us to feel important, Would to be famous, everybody to notice me? In that passage, it goes on to say that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. So when you look at that right there, the reason that God gives power was for us to be good to people, to touch people in any way we can. And so any time that we become a vessel for God to work through, even in the area of power, as long as it's in the right area toward people, and we give God the credit. We don't ever get to a place in where our lives where we think, man, look at us. Now, where we're going to go tonight is another area of power is in the money area. Money is just another form of, of, of power, and the way you handle money has a lot to do with you'll ever get to your destiny or the destiny that God wants you to get in because even in the area of finances with money, we're developing a trust issue. It becomes a test in our lives. All right, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and he saw how the people put money into the treasury. This is always interesting. Every time I I study this, So get this, the people are coming into the church and they're bringing their offerings. And if you know right there, it it makes it like Jesus is sitting in this chair and he's watching them as they come in to put their offering in. And if you'll notice right there, it didn't say he was watching what they put in. It said he was watching how they put in. And so again, 
Maybe he was looking at their body language. Maybe if some of them would go in and just throw it in there and they acted angry about having to do it. Or there were ones who came skipping in and they were like, woohoo, I can't wait to do this. And Jesus, that's pretty impressive, wasn't it, that skipped them. But maybe Jesus was looking at the attitudes of their heart. But something was there that he was looking for in the way that people gave. I personally believe this. He still watches our attitudes. He watches our heart, how we give. So we go on and he says, he watched how the people put money into the treasury and many who are rich put in much. Then one poor widow came in and threw two mites, which make quadrants. And when you see the word mites there, a mite was the smallest coin in their currency. So in our country, it would be like a penny. How many of you today just walk by a penny? <laughs> Oftentimes you may see a penny and people think it's no worth. I don't want it. It's no value. And so here this poor widow brings it in. But when you look at Jesus sitting in there watching how they gave, it was a test not just for the rich, but it was a test also for the poor. Both of them, Jesus watched. He analyzed what they were doing. Next verse. Verse 43, so he called his disciples to himself and said to them, and surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. So Jesus admires her generosity, her sacrificial giving. He, he admonishes her sincere devotion. And it's interesting to me, he said, she put in more than all of them. So was Jesus basing this on how much do you have left after you give? Verse 44. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. And so the important thing to Jesus wasn't the amount, but the commitment and the sacrifice. That this lady said, I'm going to give it all. Everything I got. And so when you begin to look at this, every time me and you, we get a paycheck. We're showing and we're telling God what we put first in our lives. Every one of us. And your money's tied to your heart. Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so I still believe that this is a huge test for us. Now, turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Again, your money is tied to your heart. And God will never use you to the degree that he desires to when your finances are in disarray or you have a pattern of unrestrained spending because it always reveals a lack of discipline. And so God's looking at this. This becomes a huge test for every one of us. Now, let's watch what the Bible says. Not pastor. Let's watch what the Bible says here. Proverbs 3, verse number 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord. Now, think about the word honor. Honor is different than obedience. Obedience shows up in my actions Honor shows up in my attitude. So he says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your wealth. 
And with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, there's two little words in that last sentence there that get me. One is the word and, and the other is all. And with the first fruits of all your increase. And so the first fruits are your best. It's the choicest. It's the, 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 the best thing that I can offer him. And so there is a test there that says, when you get paid, when you get income that comes in your life, what is the first thing you do with it? And God's never been into getting your leftovers because your leftovers say to God, this was first in your life, not him. And so oftentimes people can give, but if I don't give with my first fruits, I'm missing a lot with what he said. So he said, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. So here's how that begins to look. Every time I get paid, the first thing I do is say, Lord, I, I got to honor you. I got to bless you. And people say, well, well, I can't do that. It's a step of faith. And I got to get over into that area where I say, you know what, Father God, just as we read there in the, in the miracle there in John 2, Whatever he says to you, you got to learn to do it. And when I begin to do this, watch what happens in verse 10. Then, the New International says, So then, your barns will be plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So when we read that, I've heard people say, Man, I am quoting verse 10 that it's an overflow and it's abundance. But here's the issue. If I don't obey verse 9, verse 10 is not going to happen. And so he's saying this. He said, I want you to learn to honor me with your first, your bless, your best, because when you do, this is what I'm going to do. And literally, he takes our natural money, and when we sow it to him, like he said, he said, you know what? I'm going to make it supernatural. I'm going to bless your socks off. Verse 11. My son, do not despise or reject the discipline or the chastening of the Lord. Don't reject it, okay? Nor detest his correction. And so God, he, he, he desires to correct us, not to beat us up. But even in this area, I believe, when I read verses 11 and 12, he said, listen, you got to get a hold of this. I, I want to help you in this area. Turn, turn back just to your right, just to Proverbs 15. Proverbs chapter 15. I, I was studying there this morning. And I came across these two verses. Man, it's jumped out to me. This is Proverbs 15 verse 10. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way. Harsh discipline. Stern discipline. Is for him who forsakes the way. And, and note right here, when you read the word harsh there... It's not like, well, just pat them on the back and say, it's okay. Pat them on the back and tell them, it, it'll be all right if you do it. or you don't. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying there's times in your life when you've started forsaking the way of God. You need stern discipline. The last part of that verse. And he who hates correction will die. The, the message says he'll go to a dead end street. Same chapter, verse number 32. He who disdains or avoids instruction or correction, he despises his own soul. 
But he who heeds rebuke will get understanding. And so even in this area right here, all I'm trying to do here is teach the word of God that I got to get understanding in this area because God wants to bless us. God wants to help us in this area. Now, I want to go back to the book of Genesis 41. And this is where we get into the passage with Joseph. And this is all how it begins to tie together here. And I believe there's some truths in here that will really help you tonight. I mean, it's touched my heart all day looking at it. I'm going to begin in Genesis 41, verse 32. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice. Because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. So what he's saying here. God decreed it and God's going to do it. Now remember the dream. The Pharaoh had this crazy dream, okay? And he, so he brings Joseph in and Joseph interprets it. So we keep reading here just to fill in the blanks a little bit. Verse 33. Now, therefore, let the Pharaoh select a discerning and a wise man a discreet man, a proficient man, and let him set over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Now, what he's talking about back in verse 34 at the end, he said, there'll be seven plentiful years. Remember the dream was there were seven abundant years and seven years of famine, of seven years of no good. So in this verses right here, he said, in those years of, of plenty, he said, what I want you to do is store up and collect. So right here is a biblical example that he was telling him, save it and be patient. Hang on to it, okay? Verse number 36. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So when you begin to look at this, Joseph not only had a survival plan, he had a game plan for the next 14 years. And when he brings out the, the, the game plan, it was through careful planning. It was through wisdom. Now, with me saying that right there, don't, don't view careful planning as unnecessary. When I begin to plan carefully in my life, even in the area of finances, it is a way that I'm showing that I want to live with some uh, responsibility. So if you look right here, Joseph tells the Pharaoh some very specific things. He said, in order for you to make it, you're going to have to store up 20%. You're going to have to hang on to it. So literally right here, that when he was telling him to do that, you know what he's saying? It's going to take discipline. You're going to have to discipline yourself. And then it said he appointed officers to make sure it was done. So you know what those officers were there for? They were there to make them accountable. And to a degree, you know what it was? It was harsh discipline. They were saying, this is what we're going to do. So when you look at what he does here, he's got a game plan. And money is not about an opinion. 
Money's about math. Does it add up? So when you begin to look at this right here, Joseph ultimately feeds the entire world. You know how he does it? He understands through the wisdom of God that you've got to start living on less than what's coming in. Listen real close here what I'm going to say. You've got to live beneath your means, okay? And so when you look at what Joseph was doing right here, this was the wisdom of God. And you want to know how severe this was? If Joseph doesn't obey and implement this, how many people perish because of hunger? The masses. So again, when you look what Joseph was doing, he's walking in power and authority, but who was the power and authority for? It was for people. God said, you've got all this power and authority, but you've got to use it to help people. Now, we know the rest of the story, that the people that he would help were not just the Egyptians. Remember his brothers who hadn't seen in years. Without Joseph obeying the things of God with, with the power and the resources he had, his brothers die. Same chapter. Look with me in verse 46. So Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of the Pharaoh, and he went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now in seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. It's just the wisdom of God. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, who ascended the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of Am, bore to him. So Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. Now remember in their time when they named the child a name, and it had meaning. Listen to what Manasseh meant. For God has made me forget all the toil or the pain and all my father's house. And then in verse 52 he said, In the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. The message says he prospered double. Now if you note something here, what was said about both his children, both of it start out for God. The first one it says for God has made, and the second one says for God has caused me to walk in double prosperity. So when you begin to look at Joseph's life at this time now, He's walking in incredible power, incredible authority. He's got everything in the world that you could want. But notice, he never forgets God. God has made me do this. And God has caused me to walk in this and this. And that's the key for every one of us. When you walk in authority, no matter if your life is scarred by pain and hurt and everything, when you start walking in victory, you start walking in abundance... You need to look back and say, it's because of God. It's because of God. The reason I got this job is because of God. The reason I'm so blessed is because of God. The reason I got a great marriage, it's because of God. And I keep referring back to that. And you know what? God loves it. But the only way he got to this position 
was because God could trust him. And because God could trust him, even in the area of money and power, he was able to ultimately fulfill his dreams, his destinies, the things God has for him. Now, I want you to go back to one last proverb. Go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 30. And I love that, that whole story. I, I'll, I'll just paraphrase a little bit. Remember when his brothers came in? He hadn't seen his brothers for 17, 18 years. They don't recognize him. He, he knows who they are. And guess what? He's got this badge that says, I'm the new sheriff in town. And paybacks are Heavenly. So just think about this here for a minute. Here they all stroll in and now he's got all this power. I mean, he could say, kill them all. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't say, I'm going to get even with you, 10. You, you made my life hard. And then he could have called up and said, hey, bring old Potiphar in and his wife, little tattletale. I got something for her too. And, and on top of that, bring the butler in. I got some. But you know what he did? He was good to every one of them. So here's a man walking in power and authority, and he used that power and authority to be good to people that had hurt him. And so that's part of the test. Man, I want to be good to people. Proverbs 30, verse 24 and 25. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. They are the wisest of the wise. The ants are people that are not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. Now, in this passage here, it's talking about the ability to diligently, systematically, to prepare, and it's an indication of wisdom. How many of you ever watched ants? I just kind of watch them. You know, you look and think, they don't even know what they're doing. And then before long, there's a trail of them. Man, all day long, they're, man, they're just moving back and forth. Moving. They're on a mission. How many of you have ever messed with them? I have. I've done stuff. I mean, when you see their path coming, you know, I like to kill a few of them and mess their path up and see what happens. You come back an hour later and they're back, man. They're persistent. They got a plan, and what's the plan? They're using wisdom in the, in the summertime because they're storing up for the future. And they got a system. And it's something that we need to understand, just like the ant does. And I believe when we begin to live in the wisdom of God through the Word, and we begin to apply it in our lives, I'm telling you, when famine comes, I'm prepared. And here's a thought for you. If God can't trust you in the little things, I'll never get promoted to the big things. This is in every area of my life. I mean, sometimes we have this thought, well, it's just a little lie. Just a white lie. You know, those white people lie. I can say that because I'm white. <laughs> Again, we look at stuff like that and we have the thought, it's just little things. It's a little thing. But again, 
I believe personally it's the little things of the spice of life. And when I become faithful in the little, the Bible's very clear that in Matthew 25, when you're faithful in the little, I'll promote you to much. And so you know what he's telling us? Let's start being faithful in the little. Let's begin to get a hold of this and say, Father God, help me. Help me to be faithful in these little things. When you give someone your word, you're going to do it. Be faithful to do it. Don't make a bunch of excuses. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.